Even as the humans' annihilation filled us with satisfaction, the loss of one of the sacred rings racked our hearts with grief. Putting aside our sorrow, we renewed our faith in the prophecy that other rings would be found, and see how our faith has been rewarded. Halo! Its divine wind will rush through the stars, propelling all who are worthy along the path to salvation. But how to start this process? For ages. Hey there, welcome to the Lord to Death podcast. My name's Brett, and today I want to take a moment to talk about Halo, and more specifically, the prophets from Halo 2 and somewhat Halo 3. I got this suggestion from a friend, and I thought, yeah, well, you know, they are fairly enigmatic, and I don't know a whole lot about them, so I think it would be fun to kind of learn all about their culture, their being, their species, their everything. And I feel like a lot of other people would have probably glossed over them as well. Not that you could really gloss over them entirely, because they were kind of the main plot point, but you know what I mean. And a very quick aside, Halo 2 was an interesting release. I remember it pretty well, and I remember it being relatively controversial, but also extremely well-received. While it was met with critical acclaim from most people, the addition of proper bosses and the abrupt cliffhanger of an ending, some fans were worried that the series was headed in a slightly concerning direction. I, personally, thought it was a great addition to the series. While I found it much harder than the previous installment and got, admittedly, frustrated, I still thought it added some interesting elements and expanded fantastically on the story. I think the Covenant are a great adversary and they're one of my favorite enemy factions in any series. I think that the decision to focus so much on them and their hierarchy was a fantastic decision. But we aren't going to talk too much about the entirety of the Covenant, because I think that's an entire episode on its own. Um, but I want to talk more about what we knew as the Prophets, and specifically the High Prophets from Halo 2. So, humanity knew them as the Prophets, but the name of their species is the Sanshum. Then there is also the Latin Perfida Vermis, which means Worms of Treachery. Which I think is pretty hilarious because, I mean, they do look kind of like worm people, which we'll get to in just a second. So I'm going to refer to them both as the Prophets and the Sanshum, depending on context. I'm going to try to, as best as I can, when I'm talking about the species as a whole, I will refer to them as the Sanshum. But when I'm specifically talking about the Prophets that we know in the games, I'll try to refer to them as the Prophets. So the Sanshum are a species that took a role of leadership among the Covenant. In the Covenant, they exert complete control over religious and political affairs and enforce a slightly misguided theology based on the belief that activating the Halo Array will start what they call the Great Journey. And I think that the Great Journey is a fantastic place to start. So, this religion was based on the worship of an ancient race of beings known as the Forerunners, who they viewed as gods. And as their name suggests, the Forerunners kind of came before everything and they were kind of the, the leaders, I guess you could say before they went extinct. So the Sanshium viewed the Forerunners as being omniscient and all-powerful beings who managed to transcend the physical world and achieve a form of divinity. The Prophets believed that this was achieved through the creation of the Halo Rings, which were viewed as sacred religious grounds and that activating them would allow the Covenant to walk among the Forerunners in a transcendent realm. While they believed all of this, most of the Covenant's lesser races, like the Grunts or Jackals, would be left behind in this great journey, while greater races, like the Sanshum, would be allowed to go beyond. Now, they were half right in this theory in a really weird way, that activating the Halo Array would allow them to transcend the physical realm, but in reality, it would be in death rather than rapture. The Halo Array was designed as weapons of universal sterilization to protect against a race called the Flood, who was a species-devouring parasitic race. 
The Forerunners created the Halo Rings as a last-ditch effort to stop the Flood from devouring every sentient being in the universe. Having exhausted all options, they activated the rings, killing all life within three radii of the galactic center, including themselves, in order to starve off and hopefully kill the Flood. But that's a whole different story for a whole different time. But before that time, and before the activation of the rings by the Forerunners, in around 110,000 BC, a long-ass time ago, there was a human Sanshum alliance. So the Sanshum were allied with the human empire, forming a major power in the Orion galaxy. During this period, they encountered the Flood for the first time, but they were actually fought back successfully. Unfortunately, this alliance was ended when the Sanshum surrendered during the Human Forerunner War. And not too terribly long after that fact, the rings were activated and the Sanshum were seated back on their homeworld and their race was allowed to begin again. Giving us the Sanshum that we know in the games. Sort of. So back to the Sanshum, they were a very physically frail race compared to other species like brutes or elites within the Covenant, and yet they established themselves with such religious importance that they were indispensable to the Covenant. Physically, they are a bipedal species with almost a serpentine neck and limbs. They have very long neck and limbs. They're kind of spindly. The prophets that we see in the games have frail skeletal structures that require slow, deliberate movements and travel around on anti-gravity pods due to their frailty. And it makes you wonder, how exactly did they get so much control within the Covenant? And we'll learn a little bit later, it's honestly because they were just smart. So the prophets that we see in the game are so frail because their predecessors were used to a lower gravity from being raised on a Forerunner Dreadnought. That, plus a life of inactivity, does not exactly lend itself to a strong muscle structure. The reason that they were raised on a Forerunner Dreadnought is because there was kind of a divide on their home planet of Jandor Kom, which I am probably butchering the pronunciation of, and it caused some of the Sanshum to leave the planet on the Forerunner Dreadnought and leave the rest of them behind on the planet. We'll go into the effects of that in a second, but the Sanshum who remained on their home planet are far more used to a higher gravity of a planet rather than a ship, and had an active and regular lifestyle and were actually regarded as strong warriors. So that means that they were more fit, muscular, and were able to stand upright and move unassisted. But the Prophets, despite their physical ineptitude, have been able to dramatically increase their lifespan with advanced medical technology that would allow them to live for hundreds of years. So and then the prophets that we see in-game had very distinct fur-covered lobes and hanging skin under their necks, like the demented love child of an earthworm and a turkey. And despite looking like earlobes that were dangling from their heads, the Sanchium actually received sound from the back of their heads, which is pretty upsetting. They also had three digits on each hand, which were often found wearing plenty of ornate jewelry, and they were always wearing fancy robes, which both doubled as and hid their life support systems that were installed in their anti-gravity pods that they rode around on. So there's not a whole ton that we know about the culture of the Sanshum. We do know that before, on their planet, they were a species that was very dedicated to beauty above all else, which is hilarious considering they are one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. But we do know that they were very smart. We also know that the Reformists, which was the Sanshum sect that left their home planet on the Forerunner Dreadnought, had a very small gene pool to contend with, so there was a lot of inbreeding and they had to be very careful about their breeding. This caused the need to weed out the weak often before birth and to have a very careful selection when having children so as not to pass on traits that were determined as undesirable. We can also infer that the chance of impregnation was quite low, or that the time spent pregnant was very long, because when they did have a child, they would have a celebration called the birthing period. Now, we all celebrate our birthdays, but to have a, like, colony-wide celebration over the birth of one child, you can assume that it didn't happen very often. In terms of language, the prophets that we see often speak the Sankhali language, or the language of the elites. 
Is this because it's more or less universally understood among other races in the Covenant? They did have their own native language, but it was very seldom used. As they were at the top of the hierarchy in the Covenant, they would also communicate in gestures rather than words, using sweeping motions or hand gestures to indicate something like irony, amusement, or respect. This adds to the air of arrogance that surrounds the prophets, as it could be seen as rather dismissive. If someone chooses to just make finger gestures at you instead of speaking to you, you kind of think, this person doesn't think I'm worth their words, right? And, and that, that was really important to making the prophets seem as like high and mighty as possible. So speaking of the Sankhali, before they were part of the Covenant, they actually had the belief that Forerunner technology was sacred and that it should not be touched or used for personal gain. And while initially the Sanshium had this same belief, the Reformists had a completely different belief, as was evidenced by their belief in the Great Journey. The Prophets would often disassemble Forerunner technology to suit it for their own needs in conjunction with their own technology. This caused the first meeting between the Sanshium and the Sankhali to be a very bloody affair. While the Sankili were physically superior, the Sanshum had the technological upper hand. They used hit-and-run tactics to slowly wear down the Sankili army and eventually won the battle. The Sankili eventually gave up on their convictions that the Forerunner technology should not be trifled with and joined the Sanshum for the survival of their race. This forced an early version of the Covenant with the Prophets being the Brain and the Sankili being the Brawn. The other races kind of came later. But this is really how the Sanshum asserted dominance. They won over a very physically superior Sankhili, and then they used the Sankhili as their brawn. So wherever they went, they had a very capable army to contend with whatever they might have dealt with. And that's how they were able to assimilate other races into the Covenant. Back to their role in the Covenant, not every Sanshium was a prophet. There were plenty of them that were just regular people, but the Sanshium who wished to have the role of prophet, high prophet, hierarch, whatever you want to call them, they were supposed to have received the blessing of the Oracle, which resided on the Dreadnought on High Charity. So High Charity was the Covenant's mobile planetoid station, and it was known as the Holy City of the Covenant, or the Prophet's Holy City. Effectively, it was kind of a home world of the Covenant. It was an artificial star that simulated natural sunlight within the city. So all you really need to know about High Charity is that it's basically a giant floating mushroom in space, and they considered it their holy ground and capital. However, since their position had become largely political, this process was often overlooked and they didn't really seek out the oracle to make someone a prophet, but instead prophets would be replaced due to political machinations. But upon their ascension to hierarch, prophet, what have you, the Sanshium would choose their prophet titles which they would be referred to as opposed to their given names. So we see this in the prophets of truth, mercy, and regret in Halo 2. And interesting to note about the prophets' names is that they were often quite contradictory to their personality. The Prophet of Truth was prone to lying, the Prophet of Mercy was extremely harsh and judgmental to others, and the Prophet of Regret was often headstrong and unapologetic. Funnily enough, the Prophet of Restraint, who we'll talk more about in a second, stepped down as a result of sexual exploits when they had taken a vow of celibacy, showing a lack of restraint. Makes you wonder if they intentionally thought about their worst traits and just made it into their names. So before the three Prophets that we know in Halo 2, there were others. In the Ages of Doubt, when the Ungoy, or Grunt, Rebellion destabilized the Covenant, the three prophets were Restraint, Tolerance, and Obligation. As mentioned before, Restraint had been marked by sexual scandals, which caused their stepping down. They notably impregnated a young Sanshium female while lying about their vow of celibacy, and then refusing to allow them to get rid of the child. The Vice Minister of Tranquility offered to keep this a secret and cover it up so long as Restraint stepped down as prophet. Seeing as his options were fairly limited, and he really saw no other choice, he stepped down. 
and the Vice Minister of Tranquility succeeded him as the Prophet of Regret. The Prophet of Tolerance was largely responsible for the creation of hundreds of teams of the most educated among the Covenant to study human language when they discovered them. And then there was the Prophetess of Obligation, one of the most beloved of her age. Unfortunately, she fell victim to a political shakedown, as most of them do, and was forced to step down, being replaced by the other two prophets in what was known as the Ninth Ages, Truth and Mercy. So, the Age of Doubt ended when they discovered the human race, or what they called Reclaimers, and they entered the Ninth Ages, as mentioned before, or the Ages of Reclamation. So this was when the Covenant's true search for the Halo Rings began, and this was the final act in the history of the Covenant. The Prophet of Truth spurred on the hunt for heretics who were former Covenant who realized that the teachings were false and seeded from the Covenant. Truth was, in the end, killed by one of these heretics, the Arbiter, aboard the Forerunner Dreadnought while trying to excavate an artifact from Earth. Looks like real Brett made an oopsie doodle, so AI Brett is here to help. The Prophet of Truth was actually killed by Arby in the control room of the Ark a Forerunner installation from which all the Halo installations across the galaxy can be activated simultaneously. Anyways, back to the inferior Brad. Now, this is going to be one of those long story short situations because there is so much that happened during this period, I would have to go over the entire events of Halo 2 and 3, really, to uncover it all. The Prophet of Mercy was older than any other known hierarchs. Originally serving as a liaison between the Oracle and the Covenant Council, Mercy, along with Truth, was a key member in attempting to begin the Great Journey and was attacked by the Flood on High Charity. While being assimilated, his infected form was shown to Master Chief, whom he told of Truth's plan to excavate the artifact and wipe out humanity. He was then promptly put out of his misery, as most people who interact with Master Chief are, preventing him from being entirely infected. The Prophet of Regret was part of a failed attack on Earth with a small group of assault carriers and battlecruisers. And after being repelled and initiating a slipspace jump to Delta Halo, Master Chief followed him and was there to assassinate him in the end. In the grand scheme of things, it was very quickly that their plans were foiled and the outbreak of the Flood, an extinction event happened upon the Sanchum. Most of the Covenant turned on them after it was revealed that their religion was based on false information, and the Sankili, along with some of the other races, started to hunt down the remaining Sanchum as an act of retribution for being misled and basically enslaved by the Prophets for so long. As far as we know, most of the Sanchum were killed that lived within the Covenant, and the only remaining living fled and went into hiding to avoid being killed. After that, not much is known, or where they are, or how many of them there are, but we can assume there's probably less than a thousand of them out there. And with their small breeding pool, I, I imagine that they probably didn't last too long. In the grand scheme of the universe, it was a relatively short reign that the Prophets had, with only 19 known Prophets, but they caused near irreparable damage to the universe. The Prophets led the Covenant into a war that they could not win and caused mass casualties in the name of their religion and the Great Journey, while also unleashing the Flood upon the world. They were truly a dastardly bunch. But I guess in the end, they got what they really wanted. They were able to transcend their physical forms and go into eternity. They just didn't get there how they wanted to. So that's pretty much it for the Prophets, or the Sanchum, or the Hierarchs, or the High Prophets. And with all their titles, I'd like to ask, what do you guys think? If the Sanchum had never left their home planet in search for more Forerunner artifacts, do you think that the Covenant would have ever been formed? Do you think that maybe it would have been formed in another way by the Sankili? Or do you think that it would have just never happened and this entire crisis could have been averted? You can find us online at Lord to Death on your favorite social media platforms or your favorite podcast website. If you'd like to hear more about Halo, let me know, and I'll be happy to do another one on it. Until then, stay safe, try not to start an interplanetary war, and start a religion based on an old smartphone that you found left on the ground. And until next time, see ya.